Hey, people are pretty stoked. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we're about to get stuck into the Bible in a sec, but first, we're about to watch a video, and the, the, it's just a short clip, and it's of, um, it's of an epic battle. Like, it's a, from a moment of a pretty epic battle, and it's not just any battle, but it's a battle between two long-time enemies. Like, these guys have history, pretty not a fan of each other. Um, there's a lot of issues going on between these guys, so you can understand there's a lot of tension, a lot of hatred, which you'll surely see in the battle we're about to watch. Hmm. Um, cool. Uh, all right. So um, tonight we're going to think about a couple of things. Um, if you look up on the screen, that's the passage we're going to be reading in a second. But the key thing that I want to think about is if you follow Jesus, how you treat others matters. Um, so we're going to read a decent chunk of Luke tonight. Um, going to have two different kind of goes at it, divide it into two different chunks. Um, and hopefully we'll learn a bunch of things from that. But the big point that I, ho- I hope you guys walk away with tonight is that Jesus is challenging his followers to love others. And to not just love others, but to love others a lot. All right? Um, he's got a pretty big challenge for us in what we're about to read. And I hope you guys don't um, just think, well, that challenge is so epic that you just shut it out because you don't want to feel it. Because it is pretty big. Um, and the key thing is, um, that it's about how we treat others, and it's a pretty big call. Um, so as we learn tonight, that includes even loving our enemies, which is kind of where that video comes in, and even loving those who have done the wrong thing, even the wrong thing to us, loving those people. Um, so it's pretty hard. Um, but for a second, imagine you got into a fight with someone, right, a massive argument, okay, you were throwing tanties and you were just shouting at them and saying all tactic stuff, saying stuff that you regret, and I don't know, it just got pretty hectic and intense and there was tears and emotion. I don't know what happens and you have arguments, but something like that, all right? Would you think that the likely response to that person that you've just shouted and abused at and, and done, all, done all, this, all this stuff to, do you reckon the likely response to them is to pay for you to have a house to live in and to give you all the clothes you have and to pay for all the food you eat and to take care of you? Does that sound like a likely response? I'm guessing probably not. Um, which is interesting when you think about it because, in a sense, that happens quite often with our parents. Like, I think most of us can probably recall a time when we've had an argument with our parents. Um, yet, at the same time, even though you might have an argument with your parents, at the same time, they're the ones that are giving you a roof over your head, they're giving you all these clothes, they're giving you all this sort of stuff. Everything you have is usually provided to you from these guys, from your parents, um, which you can kind of get used to and immune to. But I think when you put that into a different situation, you get really struck by it. Can you imagine anyone else, after you've treated them like that, you've had a big argument, all of a sudden going, I'm going to pay for everything you use in life? Um, in fact, I don't reckon most there'd be many people that would be prepared to do that for you, even if you were heaps polite to them, let alone if you were saying bad stuff. I've got like crazy toilet paper in my foot. Um, but yeah, I don't reckon there'd be many people that are prepared to even do that, even if you're nice to them, let alone if you spoke to them like that. And the reason why that's so surprising is because it's hard to do nice things for our enemies. It's hard to love our enemies. It's hard to um, reciprocate with something that when, we've done, when they've done something bad to us or we've done something bad to them, it's not likely that they're going to respond with love and vice versa. Um, so if you guys can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Verse, um, to, we'll start at verse 27. We're just going to read the first chunk. I think most of you guys look like you're already open to it. Um, if you're not, it's up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, it's right up there. Um, so I'll read it out. 
But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. All right, so that's what we're going to look at at the moment. Um, as you might see there, saying we are called to love others, um, and we fall short of that even just with our friends all of the time, but right now Jesus is asking for even more than that. He's saying he's asking us to love our enemies. All right, pretty big challenge there. Now, the first question that you might want to ask is who are our enemies? Um, and a way to work that out is kind of similar. If you're ever reading something in the Bible and you want to understand it better, a good thing to do is trying to work out the context for it, okay? Trying to work out what's been happening before it, what's happening after it, who's saying what, who's, who's writing this, all that sort of stuff can help us understand the point of what's being made, yeah? So just before this, this is Jesus right now, and he's talking to his disciples, all right? He's kind of giving a, a sermon to them, kind of like what I'm doing now. He's talking to his disciples, and he's teaching them things. Um, and we're kind of coming halfway in the middle of it. Um, so the first thing you want to work out is what, what has he been saying so far? So he's been teaching these guys so far, He's been um, challenging them to focus on what lies ahead. He doesn't want them to get caught up in the worldly stuff of here and now. He wants them to be focusing on, what, um, on the world that lies ahead of them that lasts for eternity. And so now, as he's, as he's challenged them to not get caught up and invested in all the stuff that's here and now, worldly stuff, he wants them to look ahead. Now he's saying, this is the way that you should live that out. So if you aren't um, focused on here and now and you're looking ahead, then you should be prepared to... Give, like if someone asks for something, give more than, even more than they're asking. It's kind of like the, what kind of comes out of that initial thing that he's been talking about. So if that was confusing, in summary, he's been challenging them, don't think about the worldly stuff here and now. Think about what you've, the hope you've got for the after death, all right, and the life that comes after this. And so because of that, this is how you should be living. This is how you should treat other people. This is what you should do here and now if you aren't actually living for the here and now. Um, so who are our enemies then? What does that mean? Well, you guys aren't in a battle like that video, all right? You guys aren't going out to war anytime soon. I don't think many of you are in the army. Um, so it can be a bit weird to say, love my enemies. Who are my enemies exactly? Well, the context help, helps us work it out because when we look back and we kind of go, okay, Jesus is talking to disciples. This is what he's been talking about. The fact that he's talking to his disciples and he's telling these guys to love their enemies kind of means that the main application for them, if he's talking specifically to his disciples, is... Um, Chances are it's going to be those that are persecuting Christians. Their enemies are, he's like saying, um, bless those who persecute you, who ill-treat you. He's talking to his disciples and saying, people are going to be against you, but love them. And so uh, who are the enemies? Largely, it's going to be the application for, for the disciples that are listening. is going to be loving the people that persecute them for following Jesus. Um, but the principles aren't limited to that. And so this is something that if you are someone that follows Jesus, if you're a Christian, then this is something that's really significant for you. Um, so, um, 
Another thing that comes out of that, though, is that if he is talking to his disciples, then that means that the message to take out of this isn't you need to start loving your enemies to become a Christian or it's what makes you a Christian, okay? Because he's talking to people that already follow him. So he's getting disciples that already follow him and he's saying, this is what your life should look like. Now that you follow me, I want you to treat people in this way. And so you can make the mistake of thinking that, all right, if I need to become a Christian, I've got to be good enough. I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm treating people well enough. I'm loving my enemies well enough to be a Christian. These guys are already his disciples. They're already following Jesus and he's challenging them and giving them application of what that looks like in their lives, okay? Um, and so I want that to be a challenge for you. If you, are, if you are a Christian, if you're someone that follows Jesus, this is a challenge for you. Um, it's not something that is just for anyone. This is like how you become a Christian. just wanted to clear that up. But either way, the challenge remains, like I said at the beginning, that means if you follow Jesus, how you treat others matters, right? And again, that's the key thing that we're going to get out of both passages tonight. Um, so... Um, less is the two examples that are given in the passage. I don't know if you picked up on them. It says, um, verse 29 and 30, If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. All right, those are the two examples you've got of what it looks like to love your enemies. Now, you better ask the question. I hope you have asked the question. How do you take those verses? How do you read them? Do you just read them 100% literally? Like, am I being commanded to literally turn my cheek if someone strikes one cheek? Am I being commanded to literally um, give up my tunic if someone takes my cloak? Am I even supposed to own a tunic? Because that's probably bad because I don't. Um, I'm not going to be able to give people many tunics. Um, You want to ask these questions, how literally am I supposed to be able to take this, right? I can hear some kind of random discussion. I hope most of you you guys are listening, but try and listen if you can. You've got to work out, um, how do I read this? Do I take it 100% literally or not? Well, the thing is, it's not as simple as that. You don't just want to read it on face value and just kind of go, oh, I've got to turn my cheek, I've got to buy a tunic and stuff. Um, That's not the big thing of what he's talking about here. Because, I mean, if you was 100% literally, does that mean, what if someone striked me on my arm instead of on my cheek? Does that mean loving enemies doesn't apply now? Like, lucky, that almost was my cheek, but I don't have to get hit this time. Or if someone, instead of stealing my cloak, they steal my hat. It's like, sweet, I get to keep my tunic. Um, I don't have to love enemies, that the principle is irrelevant for this. No, 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 no. He's making a point because he's trying to get across a principle, a value. Jesus has got a value that he wants the people that follow him to have. Okay, so it's not about, you know, which, which cheek did you get hit on, what, what, like giving up clothing. It's a value that he wants people to have, an attitude. And that attitude is to find practical ways to love the people that you normally wouldn't love. All right? to find practical ways to love the people that you normally wouldn't love, all right? So if someone's mean to you, if someone in some way would be considered an enemy, all right, you normally wouldn't be loving them, yeah? It's easy to kind of hate them or to shut them out. But he's giving you a principle. If someone treats you badly, to love them, all right? To find practical ways to do that. Um, If that might also mean the, the unpopular people at school, that most other people don't talk to you and it would be easy for you to avoid them as well and you don't heaps want to go up and talk to them. There's a challenge there where he, Jesus is asking you to cross that boundary and to love the people that you normally wouldn't love. Regardless of, of who they are or how they've treated you or what they've done, he's asking you to be loving those people. Now, I hope that you guys don't write that off and go, well, then I guess that's not that big of a challenge then. If I don't have to take it 100% literally, it's probably not asking that much. But it's actually like... I don't want you guys to go, sweet, I get to keep my tunic. 
like it's not that big a deal. The issue is actually more of a challenge than that. Because if it's actually about a value and not just about literally about a cheek stuff or like tunic or whatever, then the big point isn't, guys, I'm challenging you guys to give up your tunics. The big point is, guys, I'm challenging you to love your enemies. I'm challenging you to, like it says up there, give at the expense of yourself, even to the people that have done something wrong by you, that have already taken from you. That's the challenge. And guys, that's massive. All right? It's easy enough to kind of go, oh, yeah, I guess that's pretty hard. But I, I don't reckon most of us are going to think about it properly unless we really reflect on it. If we're, um, I don't reckon most of us are that generous with people that are our friends, let alone someone that's treated us badly. And so you can easily write it off by going, oh, yeah, you know, I've just given something to you. I've done the commandment. No, 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 no. He's trying to get a value across, and so it's an even bigger challenge than that. He wants you guys to love those people that you normally wouldn't love. Um, so people say hi to each other pretty regularly, right? People are friendly to each other. They'll shake hands. They'll be here for some Hey, man, how you going? That happens pretty often. So if that happens pretty often, why was it so surprising when these guys that are marching into battle in the video, when they do it, why is it so surprising? Why is it so remarkable? It's surprising because they were expected to be enemies, Yeah. They were supposed to be enemies, and so when they did that, it was surprising, which means that the same gesture all of a sudden becomes so much more important and has so much more of an impact when it's done to someone that would have been an enemy. All right? um, and so that same gesture means so much more because who, who loves their enemies? Hardly anyone. I don't think that we, anyone that really pulls that off. And so for someone to do that, like we saw there, all of a sudden they're getting along, it stands out. And it stands out because we don't have that attitude that Jesus wants us to have which is to be loving our enemies. Ideally, that would be something that would not be surprising. If people were following this the way they should, it would be something that you'd expect. Um, most people are happy to, if you check out verse 32 and 34 to 34, I might just read them out. Um, it says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. I'll just leave it there. Verse 32 is enough. The, those kind of verses make the point that what big deal is it if, okay, you happen to be nice to someone that's nice to you? You're awesome. Like, everyone, most people are like that. If someone gives heaps to you, it's not that remarkable if you happen to be friendly back to them. It's not that noble. All right, even a cat, uh, not even just people do it, even a cat will, like, nuzzle, nuzzle your leg and stuff and be all, like, uh, cushy if it thinks that you've got food on offer and you might give it food in return, all right? But chances are a cat isn't going to be as friendly with someone that it's just met. Like, if it hasn't met the person before and it doesn't sense that there's going to be food on offer, chances are the cat's going to be like, and run the other way, okay? But... If there's food on offer, all of a sudden the cat's nice, okay? So it's not that remarkable if someone's nice to someone that gives to them, right? Even animals can pull it off, all right? So it's not that remarkable, and that's what that verse is saying. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners um, love those who love them. Um, and so I want you guys to get that this isn't what we normally do. If you guys can, yeah, can go to the next slide. Um, this is how massive the challenge is. What we, we think we can be pretty nice people because we happen to be friends with our friends, like everyone's friends with their friends, that's why they're your friends, okay? Like, if cats can do that, then it's really not that something, something that we should really use to define ourselves as being amazing people, okay? What we want to do is actually step forward from that, and the fact is, we didn't even pull off being nice to our friends that well, and so I want you guys to feel how massive that challenge is. When he's saying, love your enemies, I want you guys to go, how am I even going to do that? Like, think for a moment and reflect, what is Jesus actually asking of me here? He's asking me to love those people that I really, really don't want to. Um, to sacrifice, to not love them in a way that, oh, I said hi, like, you know, I just kind of, I was polite. 
And that's great. That's a good thing to do. Even that can be hard sometimes. But the examples he's giving, he's saying you're actually sacrificing stuff. You're giving stuff. And you're copying the, 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 the stuff when they steal you, when they strike you. You're copying the stuff that they do to you. Um, and so I want you to feel how big that challenge is. But it doesn't stop there. We're going to read the next part of the Bible. and go to the next slide. So this is chapter 6, verses 37 to 42. So if you've got that in front of you, read along. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also, this is Jesus, told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, that's, that's some pretty um, brutal way of wording things. Um, if we can yeah, leave that slide up for a sec. Now, um, we're asked to not judge or condemn, right? So let's break this passage down for a bit. Let's leave that chunk up there. Saying, do not judge, do not condemn. Let's try and work out what he's talking about there. In a sense, it's kind of just like practical worldly wisdom that you pick up in day-to-day kind of life, all right? Um, who Put your hand up if you've been in class when a teacher's been writing something on the board and they make a spelling mistake or like or they just write the wrong thing they were supposed to do yeah all right most of us have seen that happen right when it happened did heaps of people go oh miss you made a mistake yeah all right like someone pointed out there's usually one kid in every class who's just like um actually that was in 1950 yeah um there's usually someone that does that and you'll find that people will react more like that when guys listen up people will react more like that when a teacher makes a mistake then if the person next to you made a spelling mistake, right? You're probably not going to be like, wow, that's crazy. Um, if the person next to you made a spelling mistake, you probably move on. Why does it happen? Why is it so much crazy when the teacher does it? Because the teacher is the one who's at the front telling you guys how to spell. The teacher is the one at the front who's saying, like, like they know spelling better than you do, all right? They have knowledge that you don't, all right? And so when they make a mistake, it's like, what? You've been telling me how to spell and you can't spell, all right? It stands out in your head. It's, it's more significant. That's kind of like this stuff. If... Someone's walking around putting down other people saying, I'm so much better than you, look at me, blah, 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 looking down at others and judging them and condemning them, then if they ever stuff up, then people are going to notice pretty clearly. If they make a mistake, then people are going to be like, well, hold on, you're pointing fingers at everyone else, look at yourself. It's going to be a, a big deal. So when he's saying do not judge and you will not be judged, the truth is if you are gracious, if you forgive people, if you kind of go, oh, that's right, man, don't worry about it, chances are you'll find in day-to-day life People will kind of have that same attitude with you. Um, so um, if someone judges and condemns self-righteously and then and they, and they stuff up in the same way that they've been judging other people, people are going to pull them up about it. People are going to be a lot harsher on that person because that person's been telling everyone else off for exactly the same thing that they just did. Do you guys get that? Um, so it's saying, do not judge and you will not be judged. Forgive and you will be forgiven. All right? So at the last bit it says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you kind of go, if this is the benchmark you give everyone else, and if anyone's below that, you look down on them, well, if you're below that, then it's going to look pretty silly. The same measure is going to be applied to you. Um, 
So if we can go to the next slide, the question I want to ask should be, so should we never pull people up? If there's like, you know, sawdust in someone's eye, if someone's done something wrong or um, if I'm not supposed to judge or condemn or whatever, does that mean I would never pull someone up if they did something wrong? Well, if you look on the screen, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20 says, those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. Rebuke, if you don't know what that means, rebuke just kind of means you're being pulled up about something you've done wrong. You're being kind of, hey man, that wasn't the right thing to do, all right? So obviously, if the Bible's saying that, then there's, for some certain people in certain positions, there's times and places for rebuking people and pulling people up about stuff. So it's not as simple as, um, I'm never going to say to anyone that they've done the wrong thing, all right? And also, in terms of do not judge others, we have to make judgments in day-to-day life. It's just part of living wisely. The, like last week, I was really hungry and I went to the fridge um, and um, there was like a lasagna in there and I wanted to eat it. It had been there for four days, right? And I had to make a decision. I had to make a judgment on that lasagna. I had to judge it. Are you good enough to eat or are you not good enough to eat? And I actually ate it. Um, um, but anyway, if, if you... Um, had, uh, in a few years when you guys are driving, you and your friends are driving, if your friend was driving and they were drunk, all right, and they're just, they're just off their face and they're like, hey, man, get in the car with me. Let's go for a drive. The wise thing to do is make a judgment in that situation and go, are they in a good enough state right now to be driving? All right? You actually have to make a judgment about that person in your head and say, actually, I don't think this person is, is in a good enough state of mind to be driving. Because if you don't make that judgment about that person and what's going on in that situation, that's foolish. Right? So judgments are helpful to make, even about people in your head, because it's part of living wisely. So the question becomes, um, what does he mean then? What does he mean when he's saying not judge? I'm going to um, kind of try and help explain that if I can get some out of my pocket. Um, I think this is more the thing that he's going for. All right? So see if this kind of helps. Right. So you're hanging out and you're talking to someone, and you're like talking to someone, this person, they've got this little toothpick in their eye, okay? And you're the sort of person, you stand there and you're going, man, you need to deal with that, hey? Like, I, like, I didn't want to be the person that would talk to you about it, like, I didn't want to say anything, but people are talking and they can see there's massive things in your eye, it's a big issue, and honestly, like, you're, you're a bad example of a Christian, and like, I think it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of embarrassing, like, it's like you're oblivious to it, you don't even know what's there. Um, and so, to be honest, man, I think you look kind of silly, and I think you just need to sit down, have a pray, reflect on this stuff, because I don't want, I don't want you to be embarrassed, man, all right? We all just care about you, and so I think you just got to get this thing out of your eye, because it looks ridiculous, all right? So just go home, think about it, um, people are talking, and that sort of thing, all right? I'll see you later. Cool. Thanks. All right. Okay. Um, I think that's what Jesus is talking about, okay? Someone that is... Not just kind of saying, look, man, I want to help you with something. We all make mistakes. I want to care for you. He's talking about someone that's saying, I'm better than you. All right? I'm, I'm better than you, and I think that you really need to pull yourself up and be more like me. There's kind of like an attitude that's going on. Because in, this, in the illustration that Jesus gave, the person doesn't realize they've got a plank in their eye. Okay? And so the issue is they don't actually, they're not really acknowledging their own problems. They're acting like they're coming from a place of being perfect and looking down at everybody else, right? So that's the sort of attitude, that's the difference between um, actually caring for someone and helping them with a the mistake they've made, all right? Um, just like a teacher cares for you when they mark your work and they're like, hey, you can do better next time, this is where you've gone wrong. They give you advice on how to do stuff. 
That's different to ridiculing someone and humiliating them because they didn't do good, a good enough essay, right? Do you guys get the difference? There's helpful feedback. You can do better with this if you work on this. And then there's, hey, everyone, how much did this guy's homework suck? All right? Um, there's a difference there in what you, the way you can help someone and pull them up and the way you should not judge someone and act like you're better than them and look down on them for it. Um, so, again, there's a massive challenge there. Okay, it's so easy to blow up at people when, um, when someone's done something wrong to us. We just want to blow up at them and hold it against them. And it's really hard to not do that. All right, it's a massive challenge. It, like, we want to point out, okay, I'm better than you. You've done something wrong. Even if chances are we've done something wrong to somebody else in that exact same day, we'll hope, we'll hope no one notices that. We'll hope that gets ignored. But when someone does something, probably even the same thing wrong to us, we'll want everyone to notice, hey, look at this, what this guy's doing. I need justice. And it's hypocritical. But it's, it's so hard. It's so easy to slip into doing that, and it's hard not to do. And so I want you guys to feel that challenge as well. Um, next, yeah, so if you follow Jesus, um, how you treat others matters. Um, the next thing this brings me to, and if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, I want you to listen up to this, all right? Um, if you're, like, sitting down on the floor, can you just, like, just sit up for a sec? I'm going to finish pretty soon, but it would be good if you guys could just focus for a sec. That's cool. Thanks, guys. Aiden, I'm looking at you. Thank you. Um, cool. Um, so if you're a Christian or you're not someone that's a Christian, whatever, um, this is something that matters for you, okay? Because if we are people that have planks in our eyes, if we are people that make mistakes, then when we've got this massive challenge, and I've already spoken heaps about how massive this challenge is, if we've got a massive challenge like this, we aren't going to pull it off properly. We're going to fail at it. And that is why it's so good that God doesn't fail at it. God does not fail at this stuff. And you guys might be wondering, what, why, does that, um, why is he not failing at it? What does that mean? Well, guys, every good thing that you've been given, every good thing that's happened to you in your life here and now, and what Jesus did for you on the cross, which matters for eternity after now, right there, when God's doing that for us, that is God loving his enemies. So you guys might be going, how, how is God loving his enemies so good? Why does he not fail at that? How does God judge people in the right way and not the wrong way? How does he do that? Everything good that's happened to you, Jamie, guys, cut out. All those things that have happened for you and everything that happens for not just here in this life but also for eternity, that is God loving his enemies. Um, if, you, if we can um, go to the next slide. If you guys can read these verses, I'll read them out, but you read along in your heads. This is from the Bible says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you whole in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So long story short, we were his enemies. We were God's enemies. But because of what Jesus did, we've been reconciled to him, which means we've been unresolved in a way that we're not enemies anymore. Next, next bit says, you see, this is from a different book. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Not the godly, the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. So when it comes to loving enemies, if you guys have got your Bibles open, look at where you are, the same passage we had before. Um, go to 35, verse 35. If you've got your Bibles, verse 35 of chapter 6 of Luke uh, says, 
but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. This is why I want you to listen up. Because God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So this stuff that we're like, how am I ever going to do that? Yeah, we won't pull it off. God doesn't fail at it. And it's so good that he doesn't fail at it, because we're his enemies. And so if he's able to pull off loving us, that's good news. Um, But tonight, we didn't just learn about loving our enemies. And I'm almost finished, by the way. We didn't just learn about loving our enemies. We also learned about ju- not judging others in the wrong way, all right? All right? Um, not doing that in a bad way. And the thing is, God um, also judges evil, all right? God's um, a good God that judges that, and he judges in the right way. But what's remarkable is that not only does God judge in the right way, because he's, he's God. He doesn't have a plank in his eye like we do. So when he judges, it's actually a good thing. Yeah, you guys get the difference? He doesn't have any planks, sawdust, nothing's in his eye, all right? He's perfect. So when God's judging, it's actually different. And so he's judging in a right way, not a wrong way. And what's amazing is not only does he judge in the right way, and not only does he love his enemies, but God actually judges rightly and loves his enemies at the exact same time. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus died on the cross. That was God putting judgment and having justice, but also loving his enemies, and getting the ungrateful and wicked, that's what, it said, that's, what, that's what it said we were. God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He justified the wicked and said, you guys can come to heaven with me. To the wicked people, to the sinners, that's us. He justified us and loved our enemies while still managing to have justice. And I'm going to explain how that happened. If we can get the next slide up. Oh, yeah, this one. Um, this is from the Bible as well, Romans. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Listen up to this bit. He did this to demonstrate his justice, so he judges rightly, because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So God... Through what Jesus did on the cross, God became just and the justifier. He justified the wicked people while still being just and fair. That's what Jesus did. And so what we fail to do, what we struggle to do, loving our enemies and and being hypocritical and judging wrongly, God succeeds at. Um, So guys, this is why, through all of this, tonight we've reflected on the fact that Jesus is challenging people and we know that if you follow Jesus... How you treat others matters, yeah? All right? It's not just a, a matter of, um, well, I guess Jesus done the cross for me. I don't really think about anything else. Being a Christian is just kind of knowing that that happened and moving on. No, tr- the way you treat others matters. So tonight, and this is the last bit, we've been challenged with all these certain things. If you've kind of tuned out and you're confused, I'm about to summarize. So tune in. Make sure you kind of you'll walk away with an idea of what we spoke about. Tonight, we've been challenged to not just love others, but to love our enemies. We've been challenged to not just accept the people that, who are the nicest people, but to accept the people that have done something wrong to us, that have, um, that have sawdust in their eye. We've also been challenged to look at ourselves and to get rid of the plank and take the plank out of our eye. And we've also thought about the fact that in every way that we fail in all of those things, Jesus succeeded in all of those things. And he paid for our sin when he died on the cross, which is the best thing ever. Um, 
So we're going to break off into groups now. Um, I'm just going to pray first, but um, they'll, you, like, there's not going to be no questions on the screen or anything. You guys can just be reflecting on that sort of stuff. But we'll leave that slide up. It's kind of a summary of what we spoke about. Loving our enemies, um, not judging wrongly, taking the plank out of our own eye, and remembering that Jesus succeeded in that, and through him we're forgiven. Um, I'm going to quickly pray. Um, dear Lord, thank you so much that even though um, we are sinners and we were ungodly, that while we were rebelling against you and not treating the way we should, you looked at us and you went, I'm going to die for you. And you sent your son to face the punishment in our place. Thank you so much for that. Thank you that you found a way to be the just and the justifier. Um, and I pray that that would be a challenge to us, that as we see that you've been merciful, we would be merciful, that we would love our enemies, that we would not judge others, that we would take the plank out of our own eye before trying to take out the sawdust in everyone else's. Um, I pray that we would um, rebuke people with love, um, but we would not be hypocritical or self-righteous. Um, and I pray that through all of this, we would be reminded that we are your people by what you've done for us on the cross and that in all the ways we fail at this, that we have all our sin paid for and we can have rejo- um, yeah, be rejoicing in that. In Jesus' name, amen.